physically you are in survival mode when you are literally just trying to get through the day you're just trying to get to the end of the month it's the business that is trying to keep its head afloat it's the a person that's trying to figure out how they're going to pay their bills and then mentally we go into survival mode when we start operating from this place of anxiety fear frustration when we are reactive when we are not growing when we are not taking risk the emotions that survival mode bring up are important to highlight so that we understand the language and the anchor point into exactly what they are and the question is once you are there what do you do about it Welcome, welcome to episode 115 of the Expansive Business Podcast. My name is John Sane and I'm always joined by Eric Kruger, my co-host. Sorry, sorry, let me say that again. I'm always joined by my best-selling author. Yes, man. Uh co-host Eric Kruger and since our last uh, podcast, Eric has cracked the Nielsen's best-selling list. Eric How does it feel to be a best-selling author in South Africa? Uh it feels amazing. It feels amazing. We uh we had so many discussions about this because it's like at what point are you a bestseller? And uh yeah, man, it feels good. It feels good. The Nielsen's list for those of you listening um is a list that gets brought out every single week. It's it tallies all of the the retail sales in the country for all the books in every category. and yeah dangerous ranked last week in terms of uh non-fiction both locally and internationally so super cool yeah dude i'm stoked yeah, i'm stoked well done yeah, yeah. well done i think uh, you were the only one questioning what it means to be a bestseller because you became a bestseller in exclusive books which is yeah neither here or there the official <laughs> bestselling list is nielsen's because it's like the new york times bestseller but except it's not the whole of america it's the whole of south africa and mm. that's really a fantastic fantastic um accolade for you to utilize because i think there was some stat i read that books in amazon like something like 3% of books are ever bought on the amazon or something mm. like that something ridiculous stat you know so for you to be a best seller on there is really a great thing lots of work i know how much effort you put into it so really great before we get on today's topic for everybody that is listening and enjoying our content please will you go and subscribe and leave us a rating we are on our way to hit 200 ratings for this year and we really appreciate all the people that have had sent ratings especially our new listeners and for our old listeners welcome back we've got a really exciting topic today because eric has been on a road show launching his book and he's been getting a lot of sort of feedback or um sort of conversations with people that have been interviewing him and it's a, it seems to be quite a big topic out there at the moment do you want to tee us up eric before we get yeah. stuck in for sure uh before we get into that i just wanted to say you know i was feeling a lot of pressure to be a bestseller because i was just i could see that you were looking at me funny every single episode that yeah. we were recording it's like there was like a bit of disdain because you know you've you've been a bestseller so many times and oh, no 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 I no, no help look, but feel that, that there was some uh, i don't know some animosity growing that if like if i wasn't oh, getting man. that list this podcast might come to an no. end soon you know No, no, look, animosity and disdain are heavy words. Are they strong words? words. On, are they strong words? Those are okay. too strong. Right. Those are too strong. I'm, I'm... I, just, I just thought you were a joke. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. I've got lots of respect for your work. Uh, no, I think it's wonderful. Look, 
I think, you know what happened with my first book? It really, it, it became a bestseller without me even trying. I don't know what happened. Like, what's your moonshot? Just shot the lights out, you know? Mm. And, and I just, it was just luck, I guess. It was right place, right time, all that sort of stuff. And then, you know, I just started to understand the dynamics of getting your book onto that bestseller list and how important it is for your accolades and all the hard work you do. Mm. And I imagine there must be hundreds of books, if not thousands of books out there that could definitely have been bestsellers and have gotten into more people's lives. But what authors usually do is they write the book, edit it. By the time they finish editing it and have got to go through that rigmarole with the publishers, you're so sick and tired of that book. You don't even want to do anything with it like you did mm. with your first book, right? You're like over it. And so really taking the next step from research, writing, curating, editing, and putting the package together, that's the one role of an author. And then the next one is, Marketing, PRing mm. it, getting out there, talking about it, being interviewed about it. And that part, most people don't do because yeah. they think, well, I put a book out, it should sell. So, you know, the investment, the, the, the time, the money, the effort that goes into that. And, you know, it's like inviting people to a birthday party. You don't know who's pitching. Mm. It's a scary place, man. It's such a vulnerable place to be and to put yourself out there. So well done again and, and no animosity, no, none of that. And welcome to the club, bro. You just got four books to go now. So, you know, well done for your next one and uh, good luck for your next one to become a best. Well, the next one we do together. So, well, there's, there's going to oh, be expensive. Yes. Yes. The next one's the expensive uh, book. Okay. Listen, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think for, for anyone listening to this as their first uh, intro into the expensive podcast, also go listen to the previous episode because we spoke about this like you have to do the work after the work to honor the work before the work that was like the the previous podcast yeah exactly that was, was the about. previous one harvesting yeah harvesting so so make sure to go listen to that mm. so you know when i when i wrote the book um initially kind of where I, where I thought i'd pitch it is that what this book is about is like you becoming very formidable in the domain that you care about but there's a bit of a process in order to get to that point like to be the best and what I realized is that very often the starting point actually is that we are stuck in survival mode. And so the book kind of interests this idea that um, when we are in survival mode, um, very often we aren't even aware of it. And the problem is that if you're not aware of it, you can't do anything about it. You can't fix it. You can't change it. And it's been yeah, Can you explain me. survival mode? Yeah. Wait, wait, just stop. I'll, I'll, I'll do what that. is survival mode? How Oh, will you? Okay. I'll, yeah, I'll do that in a moment. So when, uh, when I started doing these interviews regarding the book and what was interesting to me is that people latched onto this idea of, of survival mode. And I guess like it's a big theme in the book. I thought the theme would more be, that's, that's all I'm really trying to say is that I thought the theme would be good to great. Instead, I, I see that the theme that people latched onto really was survival mode to okay. Survival mode to like escaping that. And so survival mode is for me, both a physical and a mental experience. So physically, you are in survival mode when you are literally just trying to get through the day. You're just trying to get to the end of the month. It's the business that is trying to keep its head afloat. It's the, a person that's trying to figure out how they're going to pay their bills, right? Like we physically know we are in survival mode. Might be you fighting some sort of a disease. Could be a few, few different things. And then mentally, we go into survival mode when we start operating from this place of anxiety, fear, frustration, when we are reactive, when we are not growing, when we are not taking risk. And what's, what's important to know is that you can be in mental survival mode without being there physically. So like your life could actually be doing pretty well 
like you could be succeeding in every front and in every challenge you take on, but mentally you could still be stuck in survival mode. And emotionally. And emotionally. Exactly, yeah. I think and it's emotionally, a, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. But when you are there physically, I think it's almost impossible not to also be there mentally. So, yeah, of course. So the, the thing that I realized is that when I wrote the book, um, I kind of intro the idea in the, in the first chapter because I speak about this client of mine who everything yeah. in his life was going great, yet mentally he was in survival mode. And what does it take to then escape survival mode? What does it feel like to be in survival mode? And what I think I want us then to do with this episode today is to say, you know, we all slip into survival mode from time to time. Like this is going to happen to you um, irrespective of what your life looks like. And the question is, once you are there, what do you do about it? So before I even kick off, like, does that answer your question about what is survival mode? And also, what, what is survival mode to you? Like when you hear that word, what does it mean to you? Look, I think, I think the, the, the emotion that I feel from a lot of people and they speak about is that they're anxious mm. and there's uncertainty and they're at a crossroads or they're not sure of what's next. And I think survival mode has different layering to it, you know, just waking up anxious or can't getting rid of anxiousness or being sort of angry with the world for things not working out the way you wanted it to or not getting over some grief that somebody you lost uh, a while back, a relationship or somebody passed. I think, I think the emotions that survival mode bring up are important to highlight so that we understand the language and the anchor point into mm. exactly what they are. Yeah. And I imagine that it's any emotion that's sucking you of energy, you know, and, and, and not giving you of an energy. And so I think it's important to direct that. And, and I think that the level of uncertainty that we have makes all of us feel mm. a level of survival because we're like, we don't know what's next. We don't know where, what's going to happen next. And we don't know which way we're going. Is my career going in the right direction? Is my relationship in the right place? Is where I'm living in the right space? And so there's lots of questions mm. out there. So once you identify the survival mode process, what would you say the process is to move towards, I don't know, good, mm. not from good to great, but from survival yeah. to good. And so how would you break that down? Before we even get to that, I would even go oh. further and say that when you feel anxiety, um, mm. survival mode would be anxiety without growth. Whereas um, survival mode would be just pure anxiety. And like, because of that, you end up spinning your wheels. Because I think it's one thing to feel the anxiety, but still use that as a way of driving yourself forward versus like feeling the anxiety and just sitting in it and just wallowing in it. I speak about three different ways that you identify um, survival mode. The one is that you are reactive to everything around you all the time. So you never prepare for tomorrow. You never do anything that's gonna put you onto the front foot. You are always just on the back foot. Secondly, is that you operate from fear, frustration, anxiety. And what this means is that it creates these two distortions, the distortion of probability and the distortion of severity. And the distortion of probability says that things are likely to go wrong. And the distortion of severity says that when things go wrong, it's going to be catastrophic. Catastrophic. Yeah. <laughs> and so what happens is that, you know, during the day, you are very reactive, busy, 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 busy. You're not really thinking about tomorrow. You're not really planning. You're not being proactive. And then at night, when you finally switch off, your hands go idle, your brain fires up. And all of a sudden, you're like, well, you know, there are these 
things in my life, they are probably going to go wrong. When they're going to go wrong, it's going to be catastrophic. That creates more anxiety, more fear, more frustration. You wake up the next morning, what do you do? Go straight back into being reactive. And that cycle just perpetuates itself. And so because of those two things, the final thing that happens is that what you do in survival mode keeps you in survival mode. And that's the thing that becomes invisible to people is that there's a certain pattern of thinking, feeling, and acting that you've become so grooved into that you can't even see it anymore. And so that pattern just keeps you exactly where you are. And that's, that's ultimately what we need it to becomes, try. And- it becomes your benchmark. It becomes your benchmark of emotions. It's like, yeah. and you often hear people saying, I suffer from anxiety. Well, yeah, if you keep saying that, you will continually suffer from anxiety. It's like you've given up to the fact that you do. Yeah. I want to challenge something you said a little bit earlier was that anxiety with progress is okay. Anxiety with no progress is not okay. I don't think any anxiety at all is okay. I just think that the energy of anxiety is something that is negative. It's, it's not something that's sustaining. It doesn't give you future energy. It's sucking energy from the future. You, you're running away, not towards. And so what would you, what would you say to that aspect of it? Cause I, I don't think any level of Look, ultimately, yeah. as a human being, you want to be excited and optimistic about mm. the future. Mm. And optimism is really just about having confidence in the unknown, you know, and th- having that mix, which look, look, for many parts of my life, I've had full optimism and confidence about the future. And then in other aspects of my life, I'm like, totally lost. I'm like, I have no idea what's going to be next. And it's in that no idea of what's going to be next to find a level of confidence and excitement and optimism is where the real superpower comes. Because even when you don't know where you're going and you're looking forward to it, that attitude, that perspective takes a lot of work to cultivate Mm. and to integrate into your perspective. So it's something I work on every day. And it's it's a really a daily process. You know, and sometimes I don't get it right. Yesterday, I had a horrible day. I don't even know why, but I just did. I was just like, well. So yeah, what would you say about those yeah. anxiousness ideas? Yeah, I think maybe we we talk about anxiousness in two broader terms. Um, right. Maybe you know, like there are different levels of of anxiety. Um, maybe even how I think about anxiety is different to how you think about it in terms of what it actually is. In my mind, when I think of anxiety, it's a nervousness and an anticipation of what the future might hold. Um, and so I think that because the future is so uncertain, I think that for many no, people, a negative connotation of what the future might hold, an uncertain, an uncertain expectation of what the future might hold. And it could be negative, but I think like anxiety often plays in the space. No, of, a like, negative uncertainty. Look, I, I think if you, you could be in an uncertain place and be excited, you're not anxious. For sure. For sure. Yeah. It's a projection of a negativity onto the uncertainty. If you, if you put it like that, and if I, if I had to phrase it to you in the context of the book, that if there's a threat on the horizon, whatever that threat may be, if it's a, a, a big change in the environment, if it's a competitor launching next to you, if it's a new technology that's been established, there's this threat. It's almost impossible that you're not going to feel a level of anxiety about this threat. The question is, what are you going to do about it? And if you do nothing about it, then you end up in survival mode. If you do something about it, despite the fact that you're anxious about what this might bring, because you might fail, you might not succeed. You know, there are countless things that might go wrong. I wouldn't say that you're in survival mode then. I say that you are being quite courageous and brave and moving forward despite your anxiety. Oh, okay. So hang on. So when I wake up in the morning and I've got anxiousness in my stomach, it's not about anything. It's just about the fact that I'm anxious. 
And that's what I'm talking about when I think about anxiousness. But what okay. you're saying is that if you see danger, your reaction is anxious. Wow. And that anxiousness needs to put on a fright or flight scenario and they need to deal with that danger and then tap off from that anxiousness. And I think mm. that's the hard part is that we don't know how to tap off that anxiousness. And often that becomes the benchmark of what our emotions are. And, and that's where most people get stuck. Mm. And that's the hard part here and, and identifying that. And I think yeah. that many people just think that's it. That's who they are. That's where they are. That's, that's the way they're going to be living life. And, and I think what we want to do now for the rest of the podcast is talk about the ways to get out of that routine of anxiousness and routine of survival. And so let's, let's actually mm. talk about some of the steps that you talk about in the book. And I've also got some steps. Yeah. So if I just then extend the idea of um, how you respond to a threat. So, what I say in the book is that when, when there's a threat, you have these two responses. The one is that you get to be a threat to the threat. The other one is that you get to fail and, and not be a threat to the threat. And when that happens, you become harmless, right? Like you don't have what it takes to overcome the threat. And then you end up in survival mode. And so what I say to those in survival mode is that actually your first step, like what you are trying to accomplish, isn't to go from survival mode to thriving or from survival or from harmless to dangerous. What you're actually trying to accomplish initially is just to be less harmless. That's actually like a good thing to aim for. It's like, can I start taking um, small steps towards becoming a little bit more assertive, a little bit more effective? And what I realized with the, uh, the book coming out a little bit later is that I, I really experienced again what it was like to be in survival mode during the pandemic. I think we all had a, a, a real taste of that again. Like maybe physically uh, you, you felt it in terms of actually having COVID, for example, or your business having to fight for survival. But even if, if things went well, if you were one of the few who didn't get sick, if you were one of the few whose business did well, there's a good chance that you were still mentally in survival mode because of what was happening around you. And I think what I really just appreciate today is how difficult it can be to escape survival mode. It has a gravity and a pull to it that is very, very difficult to get out of. And so my suggestion always to people who are very, very deep into survival mode is that you have to start, you know, if, if we say that um, the way you break it is through a pattern of thinking, feeling, and acting, then you have to start with a pattern of emotion. That's like, that's where it has to start, is that what you need to do is for, for two hours in a day, be able to change your state. Whatever that looks like, you know, so like maybe you go for a run, maybe you meditate, maybe you listen to like heavy music, but you do something that puts you into a state where you are mentally a little bit more clear. And when you feel more motivated, because that's the thing survival mode does, it saps you of your energy. You feel demotivated, defanged, declawed. So you get into the state for like, let's say two hours that you can sustain for that day. And for those two hours, you are thinking a little bit more clearly. You are taking a little bit more effective action. And because of that, you start seeing some results. You start seeing some change. And at least, even if you go into survival mode for the rest of the day, at least you get to the end of the day saying, I did something today. And that then provides you with a bit of energy and motivation for tomorrow, where you get to say, okay, I'm going to do the same thing again. If I can get myself into the state for two and a half, three hours, I can do something. I can take some effective action. And what's going to happen is that over time, if you are able to take some action and you get some results and some momentum, then that naturally starts feeding you and you start feeling a little bit better because you feel a bit better. Your thinking is a bit more clear because your thinking is a bit more clear. You take more effective action and on and on. You create this beautiful feed forward loop that, that moves you out of survival mode, but it takes time. Like that, that's one way at least of doing it. But I think that's a very important way of doing it if you want to get out of the depths of survival mode. 
And like, you know, I was listening to doing a meditation um, from Joe again, Dr. Joe Dispenza. And what does he always say? Change your energy to change your life. And that's exactly the starting point, I think, here, when you're trying to get out of survival mode. What are your thoughts? Yeah, that, that's really great. I, I think that's, um, yeah, I, I feel exactly what you were saying there. I want to add a little bit more detail to that and just some, some practices that I have had over a period of time. And I think it's about just trying to bring as many new inputs into your reality um, and into your day uh, as early as as early as you can. So if in the mornings you can do a cold water swim, a heavy workout, a where you're really moving your heart rate into a place, meditation, coaching, uh, you know, changing up the routine. You know, our future is based on our behaviors, which is based on our habits, which is based on our rituals. And I think the, the way that we can identify that we are in survival mode is the beginning of the process. And I myself even find myself sometimes in that sort of plateau or in that sort of just like funk, you know, and, 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 and you just don't know what to do with that sort of energy. And really what happened like this morning, I climbed lion's head, you know, just to like change things up mm. and, and, and get a little bit more energy from that sort of thing. And so there's like the tasks that we need to take on are often things that we don't feel like doing, but the danger, the danger of not doing that is that you become used to being in survival mode mm. and that becomes your reality. And then all your friends are in survival mode and then all your conversations are about how bad things are and all your, and I find myself as well having to become clear about what sort of conversations I'm having and how, like somebody says to me, how was Thailand? How do I, how I respond to that? Is it uplifting? Is it downgrading? How's mm. Dubai? How's Cape Town? And, and you've always got a choice of how you want to explain things, you know, like, How's business or how's your health? And so, you know, answering those questions with an upbeat process of saying, you know, I used to suffer from anxiousness and I'm doing this cold water thing to work my way through the process of coming out of survival mode. And it's always about leading out of in the conversations of what it is that you're working out of so that your reality can be now morphed and created more by your language and then actually creating those sensory hits you know, go into a cryo chamber or just do something that gets you out of your normal like, sort of thinking. And then most importantly, I think, is actually having a coach, you know, having a, a coach that's able to give you some perspective, reframe some of your thinking, help you heal some of the things. And these are very, very important things for mm -hmm. us to be engaging with. And, and it's something that we do continuously. And we still get caught. Even after all of those things, you still get caught. Yeah. And that's the thing, like you are going to end up in survival mode. It's not about like, will it happen? It's like, just when will it happen? And it's possible that you could be in survival mode on Monday and out of it on Tuesday and back in it on Wednesday and like, you know, in it on Monday morning, out of it on Monday afternoon. It's like, that's just how it goes. But it's important to be able to identify that it's happened and then do something about it. And unfortunately, when we don't have the awareness yeah. around it and we don't know what to look for, yeah. You know, what's been very, very useful for me is understanding that, you know, we have these distortions of severity and probability. And like when I get into survival mode, my mind can play tricks on me like you can't believe. Like, oh, you'll never get a speaking gig again. Like, like who's ever going to book you again? Like if there's, yeah. you know, a few days of you're not like having a booking, yeah. for example, your mind starts like going like, yeah. like oh, your, your, your speaking business is dead. And then it's like, well, and then this is going to happen and that's going to happen. And like, you know. It just it runs away with you. But knowing that, oh, this is the distortion of severity, you're like, okay, okay. Yeah. 
like I'm, I actually expected that my mind was going to do this to me. Now I get to go back. I, I can get to like have that conversation and then just go back to focusing on what needs to be done. I, I love that. And that's what I've actually been doing with myself as well. If I do go down that rabbit hole, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. this is just, what are you doing? This is catastrophe. You're not going down a catastrophe hole. Relax. Mm. So look, I think it's been a great topic and I think it's something that's really high, uh, sort of high on the agenda for many people as we go through this transition from industrial to quantum, as this fourth turning is changing, as so much is changing around us, it's normal to be in the sort of survival mode and stuck in it. I think really what matters most is what are the plans to jolt ourselves out of them. And one of the things you could do is buy Eric's book called Dangerous, <laughs> which is out at all good bookstores now. Although your sales would really help to keep him on the bestseller list uh, this coming week as well. But now that he's a bestseller, his hair is different, his energy is different, and his whole way that he shows up has changed phenomenally. <laughs> Eric, great to be with you again. Thanks, uh, thank everybody, you. for joining us today. We're happy to have you on this journey with us. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a family member, a friend, or a colleague if you think they'll benefit from listening to it. And to close off, always remember that you can book myself and Eric for a speaking gig, a strategy gig, or just coming and do some sort of content marketing around leadership and the future for you and your business. Visit us at theexpansive.com. Until next week, have a fantastic seven days ahead. <laughs>